listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today we're going to talk about cultivating family food culture, but first let's catch up on life lately. What's new with you, Sarah? Neil and I recently watched the documentary Free Solo, Mm. which came out several years ago. Have you seen this? No, but I've heard about it. So I'd heard about it. And I couldn't find anywhere to stream it, but Mm. we had some Amazon credits, and we used those to rent the movie. Oh, good. It was very much what I thought it would be, which was a lot of me watching from behind my fingers. It's about somebody who is attempting to free solo El Capitan in Yosemite, which means climbing up a giant rock face with no ropes. Yep. It was like a train wreck that I couldn't look away from Uh because the whole time I just kept thinking, why? Why (laughs) is it better to scale this mountain without ropes when you could do it with ropes but not needing them, not falling? Mm -hmm. That is still the accomplishment. Why is this a better accomplishment if failure meant dying? Mm -hmm. And at one point he said, nothing good has come of people being happy and cozy in their homes. And I thought, yes, lots of good has come from that. And what good has come from people climbing mountains without ropes? Riddle me that, (laughs) Mr. Rock Climber. I've been thinking about it a lot since I've watched it. (laughs) I would recommend it because it just evoked so many feelings and thoughts. But I do not support free soloing. And I have a healthy fear of dying. Those are Mm. my conclusions from the movie. (laughs) It's so funny. What is new with you? I've mentioned on the pod that we found a really great love seat on Facebook Marketplace used, and I have continued to be thrilled with that purchase. But what Mm -hmm. it has inspired me to do is to refresh our throw pillows for our other couches and for the new couch. Mm -hmm. And also the new love seat couch is really deep. So To sit in it comfortably, it feels like you need more behind your back Mm -hmm. than it came with. Yes. So I took these throw pillows that we had on our blue couch for a long time. And the fabric is fabric that I love. But they were starting to, like, look frayed at the edges. And, like, the trim, the fabric was kind of rubbing off. Mm -hmm. So yesterday what I did is I cut them down and got new inserts that are really cool like memory foam, which I've never had a memory foam Hmm. throw pillow, but it's like really Mm -hmm. comfortable. It's like firm, yet it has the memory foam give. And Mm -hmm. so I sewed our old throw pillows into new covers for new inserts. And it is the most awesome refresh. Nice work. Thanks. Now let's talk about what we've been reading. What's your book, Sarah? I read Spare by Prince Harry. Mm. This is his memoir. I'm sure most folks have been hearing some buzz about it. I really enjoyed hearing about his experience in royal life. There is so much we hear about the royals, but very little we hear from them. Yes. And so hearing his point of view about his life up to this point was really interesting. I will say I did not love the writing style. It was very choppy with lots of sentence fragments. Hmm. I wonder if it would have worked better as a listen. Mm, Maybe. But I disliked it so much that it was distracting while I was reading it. Yeah. And made me less excited to keep reading. Mm. But I pushed through. (laughs) (laughs) Overall, I felt fairly neutral about it. 
I'm glad it's out in the world. It felt like he really needed to tell his story and put out his version of what has been happening. And I'm glad he was able to do that. Mm -hmm. But it's not my favorite memoir that I've ever read. Fair enough. It did, in the end, make me feel very pro-abolishing the monarchy. Mm -hmm. I am not sure that that was his intention, but I left the book feeling like, why does this exist again? Yeah, I think that's totally valid. I mean, my whole experience hearing more of Harry and Meghan's story, Mm -hmm. longtime listeners will know that I was very excited about the monarchy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and sort of everything that has come out and personal work that I've done around colonization and my role in consuming that content Mm -hmm. as a person of privilege and a white person has really made me anti-monarchy. Yeah. And just thinking about consuming that content, what that means for the people who are the subject of the content. Mm -hmm. The press wouldn't be able to put out what they do if there weren't people who wanted to read those stories. Absolutely. Because so much of the story was about his family's relationship with the press Mm -hmm. and how toxic it is. Totally. What have you been reading lately? I recently listened to Ejaculate Responsibly, A Whole New Way to Think About Abortion by Gabrielle Stanley Blair. And for those of you who've been following her for a long time, this is Design Mom on Twitter. She wrote a design book a long time ago and got famous with a blog initially. Mm -hmm. And then in 2018, she put out a tweet thread basically with the idea that men can cause pregnancy 365 days a year while women can only get pregnant a fraction of that, so that the focus on controlling women's bodies when it comes to pregnancy is completely misguided. Hmm. So she has taken the ideas in that thread, done tons more research, and put it into a small book, and that's what this is. And I listened to it, and it is her reading it, Hmm. so you can hear it. It's very conversational, and I liked it. I don't know that if you've read the tweet thread that you need to read the book, and we'll link Hmm. to the tweet thread so that people who want to can. But I would still recommend it because I think the ideas are really valuable. Mm -hmm. And she also is or was Mormon. Hmm. And so I think her voice is a really important voice in this conversation, especially since she's saying things that we don't necessarily say when it comes to this conversation around reproductive rights. Let's move on to our topic for today, family food culture. First, Sarah, is there a guiding principle that you think about when you think about what you want the culture around food to be in your family? I want there to be a deep love and enjoyment of eating. Ooh, I love that. What I think about is food as a vehicle for both pleasure and community and deep gratitude for food, the food growers, and the food preparers. Mm, Yep. What is working well about your family food culture? We eat together every night. Not everything goes smoothly once we are at the table, (laughs) but we are at the table together. And that feels like a really central part of our food experience as a family. Another thing that is going well is that we all really love food. We talk about food a lot. We think about food a lot. This is... Perhaps more me and the children than Neil. Mm. I think Neil is the least food-oriented person in the family in terms of just really loving the food experience. 
he likes to eat, but I feel like he likes to eat so he's not hungry, mm. where the rest of us like to eat because of that broader food experience. Mm-hmm. And that is part of what's really important to me about our family's culture is viewing food positively and thinking of it in terms of what it brings to our lives. And I think that's going well. Another one is eating out at restaurants is now a fully enjoyable experience for all. Mm, So good. And I see eating out at restaurants as a way to expand the foods that our kids are exposed to. We make a lot of the same things when we're eating at home. We don't eat out a lot, but I want them to experience eating out at different types of restaurants. And it used to be that that felt so stressful it was not worth it. But during the pandemic... They aged out of that. Mm. And now when we've gone out to eat at a restaurant, it feels so fun. Like we're all excited for the food we're going to eat. We're having conversation. People aren't crawling under the tables. Mm. The contrast with how it was a few years ago just really puts into relief how well that is going. As someone still in the crawling under the table phase, (laughs) I really appreciate your perspective on this. It's coming for you. Just give it time. What is going well in your family food culture? The things that are working for us is that we have dinner and often breakfast together most days. Mm -hmm. And when we all like the meal, it is a joy to be together. The kids are in the habit of thanking me or Andrew for the meal, which is Mm -hmm. something that we have really worked on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I am really pleased with that. And then recently I introduced the concept of family fruit. Where I just pull fruit out of the fridge in the colander, whatever it is, already washed, or we'll cut up apples in a bowl Mm -hmm. and just put it on the table and people can pick. And I think the kids like having their choice and not just have something served to them on their plate. And Mm -hmm. then Andrew and I will eat more because it's out there. and. Mm We actually have a fair bit of conversation around, oh, it's cherry season. These cherries are tasting really good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it just feels like a win-win. In contrast, what is not working in terms of your family food experience? Everyone eating the same thing. We do not make a separate meal for the kids, but they very often only eat the sides or the deconstructed version of what we have. For example, last night, Neil made a great veggie curry, Mm. and the kids had tofu, which we cook separately in the oven so it's nice and crispy, and then add it into the curry after, Mm -hmm. non bread, and apple slices. Hmm. Neither of them had any of the curry. And this is fairly standard in our house. I try not to let it annoy me, but it does. Yeah. (laughs) And we have decided not to force our kids to eat anything. Mm -hmm. We don't make them try everything. We don't make them get some of everything on their plate. Mm -hmm. We want them to feel like they have autonomy to choose what they are and are not eating. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I question that when (laughs) it feels like they're making the choice not to eat the foods that we're cooking on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. But then I'll see these glimmers of, no, they are choosing the things. They're not choosing it all the time. But they often will try something, even if they're not eating a huge plate of it. They'll reach for the vegetables, even though we're not forcing them to put it on their plate. Mm -hmm. And I also try and keep in mind that Neil and I were both not adventurous eaters Mm -hmm. as kids. Yeah. 
and we have grown into adults who enjoy all kinds of different foods. And I think that is the story for so many humans, Mm -hmm. that they were much more particular younger, and then their taste expanded over time. So I am holding out for that eventual transformation. Maybe it will happen. Maybe it won't. But I still feel like it's the right call for us not to force them to try things. Totally. But just want to put that out there for other people who think everyone's children are eating all of the foods that are made (laughs) at a meal. I can tell you that is for sure not the case at my house. One thing that is not working in our house is very similar. Mm -hmm. And it is the children not eating what Andrew and I prepare or eating it without complaining. (laughs) We have a policy that you do not have to eat what is offered. You can make yourself bread and butter or toast if you don't Mm -hmm. like the dinner and you can have the family fruit. But frankly, that is annoying (laughs) to me, (laughs) especially Uh when it's something that I've chosen to prepare because I think it's going to work. I've chosen spaghetti with meat sauce because it was a success at some point in the recent past. And Mm -hmm. then both children are like, that's a no from us. (laughs) and then plum will even make the bread and butter for her brother so he doesn't even have to do the work of it which is Mm -hmm. like not that much work he is like a very capable three-year-old everything is easily accessible he could do it but then she takes even the work out of it Mm -hmm. and that makes me feel really annoyed and so i'm not sure if the policy needs a reevaluation, but in any case it isn't working The other thing about this is that if Pepper doesn't eat enough at dinner, Mm. he often wakes up in the night hungry, which Mm -hmm. is disruptive for sleep for everyone. So if he's only eating bread and butter and fruit, it's a recipe for a bad night's sleep for the whole family. Mm. And I think we are in a really particular phase with both kids and that they feed off each other or enable each other, plum. Mm -hmm. And I just really dislike having to cater to them when planning what to cook. Because if I knew they just weren't going to eat it, then I could just make whatever Andrew and I would like and make it as spicy as we wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. But then if I make something thinking that they'll eat it because they have, and then they still don't, I get really frustrated. I'm curious how much of the frustration is complaining about it Mm -hmm. versus just not eating it. Like if they just got up and made the bread and butter and ate the fruit without saying anything, would that feel okay? Yeah, would it feel better? Maybe. One of my friends told me that her policy at the dinner table is what you can say about the meal is thank you for making this or I'd like some more, please. And those are the only (laughs) things that she wants to hear about the food. And I was like, ooh, I love that. I like that too. (laughs) We don't need other commentary. And I know at my house growing up, it was we want to know what you like and don't like because we will take your preferences into account. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean we'll never have this again, but it's good to know if you really dislike something or really like something. But you don't need to share your dislikes while we're eating the food. Mm -hmm. That should come up at a different time. Yeah. I probably need to do some more exploration about what is the most frustrating piece so that we can move toward a solution that works for everyone. When you find that solution, please share. Another thing that is not working well for our family is kids finding their own food for snacks. Mm. This is often the case after dinner when they didn't eat enough dinner. Mm -hmm. And we have things that are available to them to eat after dinner. Yep. And that's fine. 
I just don't want to be involved in it. (laughs) And one child in particular will let me know that they're hungry and that they can't find anything to eat. It's like, well, here are the things. I used to list the things. Well, here are the things that are available to you. Well, I don't want any of those. And we'd have this back and forth that was very frustrating. Mm. And now I just say, you know what's available? Go in the kitchen and find something. (laughs) Because I find it frustrating to have to list everything and then have it rejected. Oh, yeah. This child is not actually seeking my help. They're just wanting to express their frustration that they can't find what they want. It's like, you are old enough to find the things that are there, get them, put it away, deal with all of that. You can have snacks after dinner. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Just do that independently from me, please. please. Because once dinner's over, I am done facilitating the food experience. Yeah, absolutely. And mostly when I put that boundary in place, Mm -hmm. this child does find something to eat. Great. (laughs) But it's taken me a while to realize what's going on and what boundaries I need to have for that to not be a frustrating experience. The other thing that is not working well in our family food experience is that some mornings we're running so behind that it makes more sense for them to eat the breakfast offered at each of their schools. Mm -hmm. But then they want to have breakfast and sit at the table. And also, Andrew is very firm in his desire to have breakfast, and he often will cook an egg or Mm -hmm. make the smoothie and have the egg or make the toast. And so then they see him doing that, and they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, I want cinnamon toast. Oh, I want an egg in the hole. Oh, Dad, could I please have some smoothie? And I'm like, no, you took too long getting downstairs, and now it's time for you to go and eat the less desirable breakfast at your school. Mm-hmm. But it feels like a rushed and annoying conflict. Mm-hmm. That's just not my favorite. Just one more thing in the morning where there's already so many things so many to things. check off the list. So maybe thinking about some of these things that are not working, do you have family food culture aspirations, Sarah? One thing I think we could really work on is creating an atmosphere of abundance mm. around food. And I feel like this desire is at conflict with my frugal nature. Mm -hmm. So often I am buying things, but I'm not wanting to buy so many of said things. And then it feels like we all have this scarcity mindset where I don't mind that you're eating these chips that we don't get that often. I'm not frustrated or feeling like you're having too many in terms of consuming the food, Mm -hmm. but I feel like it's at war with this desire of respect for the other people in the family Mm. in that this is a limited resource and therefore you can't just eat as much as you want because then other people aren't getting Mm -hmm. to eat some of this. Yeah. So it's not that you're eating too much. It's that you're eating what I might want to have tomorrow. So please stop. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I hear you. So I'm wanting that feeling of we're not restricting food. And I think that that is so essential as they're growing up to feel like there aren't certain foods that they're not allowed to have or that they need to have the scarcity mindset around. But at the same time, how many bags of Doritos do I need to buy in one week for us all to feel like our Dorito needs are being met? It's a lot. It's a lot of bags. And Doritos are not always on sale. It's true. And they are pricey yes. when they're not on sale. <laughs> so I've been trying to figure out how to be teaching them about 
food costs a lot of money. Sometimes things are on sale. Sometimes they aren't. We don't always base all our buying decisions on exactly what we want to be eating in this moment. We're also taking into account these financial factors. Mm -hmm. But then I feel like it does create the scarcity mindset that I don't love. And I think some of that is some work I need to still continue to do. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we're working on. I want that feeling of abundance, but I'm also wanting to teach them about financial responsibility and being respectful of other people that are sharing a resource in our house. Mm -hmm. So any advice you have would be welcome. Well, during the pandemic, because we weren't going to the grocery store as often, Mm -hmm. if something like Doritos or some other chips that we really liked were on sale, I would just buy a whole bunch, like to the limit Mm -hmm. of what they let you buy when it's on sale. And then we had what we called the chip pantry. Mm-hmm, I remember this. Which was a Rubbermaid tub that we set on our back porch. <laughs> and we just had chips in there. So maybe when things are on sale, yeah. you just really do stock up. Just load up. And then when they're gone, they're gone. But probably that's a lot more mm-hmm. for everyone to get their fill. And then you don't get more until the next time they're on sale. But then... You can really stock up again. Because I think what feels key to me is having the experience of, oh my goodness, I really want to eat this. This is going to be so amazing and really enjoying it, really enjoying it, really enjoying it. And then getting to the point where you're like, oh, I actually don't want that right now. And not I'm never going to want it again. But I feel like what has been so key for me in my own food journey is getting to that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you need to have a lot of something to get to that point. Because if you always feel like you're not getting your fill, that's where the fixation happens. And the scarcity piece. Yeah. Yes. So wanting to just keep that in mind and try and take a page out of your book in terms of more is more when it comes (laughs) to buying things. Chip pantry. (laughs) There we go. My aspiration is to meet this increased particularity that we are experiencing with grace until it passes. I know that it will pass. Mm -hmm. It used to feel so easy for me to say, maybe you'll like it the next time you try it. Mm -hmm. And I've really gotten out of the habit with that. And then you add in the factor of the complaining, which we touched Mm -hmm. on, and the waking up in the night hungry. Mm. Yeah, that's tough. So I don't know if that looks like making a firmer boundary with Pepper, that if he doesn't eat enough at dinner, he might feel hungry until breakfast and refusing Mm -hmm. to bring the night cheese stick and still going up to say, hey, I hear you're hungry. I think something that would help is eating the food that is offered when it's offered and we'll have a really good breakfast. Mm -hmm. And here's some water or something like that so that it's not that I'm just abandoning him to feel starving because I get hungry in the night too sometimes but Mm -hmm. also that it feels like it's a routine so maybe the answer is in kind of exploring that and even maybe problem solving with him because he's big enough that we could do that yeah absolutely so something that goes into family food culture is sort of beliefs And practices around snacking. Mm -hmm. So talk about what you think about, about snacking and your family, Sarah. This one has been a challenge for us in that I think the ideal that I see presented is there will be specific times that food is offered Mm -hmm. and that is when children eat. And I think it has been hard for me because that is not how I eat. Mm. I want to eat when I want to eat. 
I like to snack. I don't like to eat right when I wake up. And then I like to eat a really big snack mid-morning. And then maybe I'll have what some would consider a lunch. Maybe I just keep snacking. Often when I'm preparing dinner, I'm hungry. And I'm snacking while I'm preparing dinner. And then I eat less dinner. Sometimes I don't like what we're having for dinner. And I eat more (laughs) snacks in the evening. So it feels hard to criticize my children for also wanting to eat in that way. That they want to eat when they're hungry. They want to eat snacks because snacks are delicious. Sometimes that means they're not hungry for meals. Yes. We don't have real regular breakfasts and lunches for the kids when they're on break or on the weekends. And I used to feel so bad about that and like I was doing it wrong Mm -hmm. that there wasn't this. And now you come in for lunch and we sit at the table and we eat lunch. And sometimes that happens. But I think it's just this feeling of... I'm eating a bowl of chips and telling them they can't have a snack because (laughs) we're about to have dinner. That doesn't feel right. No. Because that's not how our bodies work. And it feels very arbitrary to me. And so I think my kids snack a lot more than other kids snack Mm -hmm. and eat fewer regular meals. And sometimes that works okay. And other times I feel like they're not quite as aware of when they're hungry and when they need to come in Mm. and have a snack. And so that can get to the point of being hangry. Mm -hmm. But this is something that I have kind of come to peace with, that we're a family of snackers, besides Neil, who likes to eat regular meals. (laughs) And it's okay if sometimes you don't eat that much lunch because you had a big snack. It's okay if you eat snacks after dinner because that's when you're hungry. And yes, perhaps this is contributing to why my kids don't always eat the meal that is before Mm -hmm. them at our dinner. But also, I don't know. If there's food I don't want at dinner, even if I'm really hungry, I don't eat that much and I eat a snack later. So (laughs) (laughs) that's where we are. It doesn't sound like it's a problem for you. It sounds like your flexible snack culture in your family is something that's really working. I admire that. Thank you. I think it's mostly working and I'm not planning to change it. I don't know that I would recommend it to other people, (laughs) but we are who we are. We have a more traditional snacking culture in our family where it's like prescribed times. Mm -hmm. We go to bed really soon after dinner, the kids do. So there's really not even that much time to get hungry again Mm -hmm. and realize you're hungry. So I think that's part of the problem with Mm -hmm. Pepper is that if he has too much snack too late in the afternoon. So I'm still trying to figure out when is the time to stop offering it. And one thing that actually works well is to offer a very high value, dense, high calorie, delicious snack. So that's like lots of buttered popcorn and hot chocolate Mm -hmm. early in the afternoon. So they really like it and they eat it and get full enough so then they can make it to dinner and they're not hangry. But then they are hungry enough to still eat the dinner. Mm -hmm. So it's a delicate balance. But I think that high value, really delicious, very filling snack early in the afternoon is the key for us. I love that that's working for you. What resources have you used in developing your family food culture, Sarah? I think a lot of it has been the work that I've done around my own thoughts around food Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what that means. And not wanting my kids to have to do that work later, that they can learn some of these things while they're in our home. One of the big ones was reading Intuitive Eating, Mm. which is one of the foundational books about trusting your body Mm. to tell you what to eat instead Mm -hmm. of all of these outside sources. That has been 
big for me to incorporate that into my own life and then also trying to guide my kids on the intuitive eating path as well. Mm -hmm. I still think this is very hard to do. And my kids will call me out on it. HP will say, you tell me I should trust my body to eat what I want to eat. And I want to be eating this right now. And for Mm -hmm. whatever reason, that's not available or something's happening. And it's like, hmm. Honestly, he's usually right that it is my own thoughts about what he should and shouldn't be eating Mm -hmm. that is influencing my decision as opposed to there being a really rational reason why he shouldn't. So being called out by your kids, it's a real special situation. (laughs) (laughs) So intuitive eating is one that I recommend for all humans when thinking about their own eating and the kind of family food culture they're wanting to create. And then talking to you. Kind of as both of us as adults have been thinking about these issues around food and how we think about it and how we want it to be part of our lives moving forward. Mm -hmm. What resources do you want to share? The Ellen Satter philosophy Mm -hmm. about division of responsibility for eating was really helpful to me early on, thinking about Mm -hmm. feeding my kids when they were really little. And along with that, there is a lot of discussion in the Visible Child Facebook group specifically about that division of responsibility. So that's been formative for me. I still enjoy Virginia Soul Smith's Instagram posts. We have talked Mm -hmm. about her book here before. She offers good things on Instagram around food culture and body culture. And then one that really leans into the enjoyment piece for me is Samin mm-hmm. Nosrat and Rishikesh Herway's podcast, Home Cooking, which they started during mm-hmm. the pandemic. And there are mm-hmm. these two friends that just talk about food. And she's a chef and he's an audio producer. And it is just a delight. So let's end by talking about what our hopes for our children are in terms of what they'll look back on about our family food culture. I hope. They look back on their childhood and think, we were a family that loves to eat and loves to talk about food and embraces the enjoyment that food brings into our lives. I love that. And like I said earlier about my philosophy for family food culture is that I hope that my kids embrace food as a vehicle for pleasure So really loving it and then also community because it can Mm -hmm. make food better to enjoy it with people that you love. Absolutely. That's all about our family food cultures. Listeners, we would love to hear how this looks in your families. And now let's talk about food some more (laughs) with what we've been eating lately. I want to share about an instant pot meatloaf and the recipe is from Taste Better from Scratch. I made this because I wanted meatloaf, but I didn't feel like I had enough time to bake it. Mm. And so I thought, what will speed this up is the Instant Pot. And it did. And it was really good. I feel like meatloaf can get kind of dry in the oven. Mm -hmm. And in the Instant Pot, it's steamed, basically, so it doesn't. Right. And then this recipe also has it where you can cook potatoes in the bottom. Like with the meatloaf on top Uh and then make mashed potatoes, which I didn't do because I didn't have potatoes. But I am hopeful that I will get to that again and do the potatoes with it next time. Yeah, love that efficiency. What have you been eating, Sarah? 
the example I listed earlier was real. We've been eating a lot of Doritos. <laughs> I love Doritos. Specifically, the Cool Ranch variety. Hmm. We did not have Doritos at my house growing up. My mom is a chip purist. She mm. does not like flavored chips. <gasps> she loves chips. She eats a lot of potato chips and tortilla chips. Uh-huh. But no seasoning, please. Oh, interesting. I do like flavors on my chips and loved getting Cool Ranch Doritos in middle school and high school mm -hmm. at school for lunch mm -hmm. and have brought it into our lives and we have all been loving it. Many, many bags have been purchased while they were on sale at Kroger the last few weeks, but apparently not enough. <laughs> <laughs> and y'all are only Cool Ranch? You're not nacho cheese? Mm -mm. I don't like it. Huh. Okay, then. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. You can find out more about everything we talked about today, including what we're reading and eating, in the show notes in your podcast player. You can also leave us a comment on Instagram. We're at Friendlier Podcast, or you can email us, friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. I need a cheese stick! I need a cheese stick! <laughs> <laughs>that's what i have to say about it that's good i think we're i think we we can we can move on we're good uh, okay let's move on to our topic for today family f f <laughs> 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 <laughs>